Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by sports marketer and anti-courage co-owner, Sarah Toussaint. We'll be talking about Sarah's work in the sports world, her investment in the NC Courage, and her nonprofit work and more. Um, first and foremost, um, for the, anyone that's watching on YouTube, I am outside. The show must go on. It's been a crazy week, uh, games, meetings, um, but that's how we got to do it. But Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? It's been a long Thank time. Thank you. I know. I, I have to say I'm flattered. I've been watching your, your work and I was like, what? I got an invitation to be on the show. <laughs> yes. No, I'm good. I'm in a good mood, especially because I'm talking to you guys. No, what's great I'm about it is that, going. yeah, what's great about it is that Elle um, connected with you, like without even me saying anything. So that just shows like you're. Yeah, I didn't even know you guys knew each other. So. Yeah, your impact in the space. So when he told me like we had uh, you on, I was like, how did you even know her? And he's like, Hey, I just been I just been searching. I just following. So we start off. We used to start off with like, how'd you fall in love with soccer? But we're going to start off with two truths and a, two truths and a cat. So I think I'm going to win this one, but we'll see. <laughs> All right. So um, for those who aren't familiar, two truths and a cap is a game where Sarah would tell us three facts about herself. Um, two will be true. One will be a lie. And Amobi and I have to guess what the lie is. So I got I got a pretty good track record with this game. Um, Amobi's playing catch up, but. Let's see what happens. Go ahead. Trying to make a trying to make a summer run. Trying to make a summer run. <laughs> Let's see. So 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 before before going back to your comment about L finding me first, I actually thought it was you, Moby, when he reached out to me, and I was like, "Hey, Moby, this is you." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in." So I just assumed it was you and not L. Okay. Oh, perfect. I'm the one doing the dirty work most of the time. Yeah, he's doing the dirty work. <laughs> he's the yeah. midfielder. I'm the forward that comes in and like finishes the goals at the end of the 90 minutes. It's all it's all about teamwork. All right. So I had to write stuff down because I'm a terrible liar and I kind of want to cover my face as I'm saying these things. But um, all right. You ready? So yep. so two truths. And one oh, not true. All right. Here we go. All right. Um, all right. First one. Michelle Obama gave me my first internship. Um, I was a keeper. I played keeper when I was younger. And um, I've been with my husband for 24 years. That's tough. From Chicago. So I can see the, the Michelle Obama thing. Yeah, that's a good shout right there. Um, that's tough. 24 yeah. years is a, like, that's a, such a distinct number, though. Yeah, it is distinct. Too distinct to be a lie almost. Yeah, right? Hmm. Goalie. I don't I haven't seen a tweet about like goalies in the past. So it's like, you know, usually goalkeepers union is like Yeah, I might roll with that one. I don't know. I'm gonna roll with that one. I'm gonna roll with the goalie. Yeah. I'm going Michelle, because I think it might have been like Barack, you know. So like I'm going <laughs> Yeah, I'm going Michelle. Michelle's the cat. No disrespect oh to Michelle or anything, but I think that's the cat. I would love to play trivial pursuit with you guys because you're Good. And I like your thought process. Um, all right. So you ready for the unveiling? Yeah. Yep. Right. The reveal. So Michelle Obama gave me my first internship. Um, um, so already, you know, yeah. Um, let's see. I've been with my husband for 24 years. We've been married for 15, but we've been together for a long time. 
um, since 1997. And then uh, I did not play keeper. I played softball growing up. So. Hey. Wow. That's, that's it. Good. So we both got to wait. You said you said you've been with your husband or you were been married to your husband. Which one was? I said I've just been. So technically, okay. I've been with my husband. So I didn't say married. Okay. okay. So I got yeah. it right. Oh, okay. So you you taking that point then? Yeah, I'm taking it. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. For sure. Where were you, Moby? I felt like L after I think I think L won that one. Sorry. Yeah. No, we got to give it to him. Now I'm down. I'm down bad. Like he's up. <laughs> Well, to be I fair, mean, we haven't even really been keeping score like yeah, that. I didn't know I'm really up. Keeping score. <laughs> well, based on the few episodes I've heard, or the handful of episodes I've heard, I think L has been leading. Yeah. Yeah. Fact. Sorry, man. So, it's all good. It's all good. But uh, so, Sarah, when did you fall in love with soccer? I know you. You know, you've been working in the space for quite some time. But when did you fall in love with soccer? Yeah, it was. It was. Oh, um, 2000. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that fly for you. I'm gonna fly down and get yeah. that fly for you. It was 2006. You know, I didn't grow up, even though I grew up in a Mexican neighborhood where soccer was everywhere. We, my mom wouldn't let us go to the park to play. So I didn't get the opportunity to play soccer. So we played street ball behind, you know, in the alley behind our apartment uh, where she'd keep an eye on us. And so uh, I grew up playing softball instead. Anyhow, 2006 World Cup. It was my first couple months working at Major League Soccer. I had no idea what offside was. I didn't know what I was looking at. and But just like the excitement of that, um, the excitement of obviously the office and the fact that you could watch them, you know, watch the matches while you were, you know, working and, and um, you know, kind of seeing the MLS players who were, who were there, right. And having that connection to the league was, was huge. And um, I think that was also the year, I don't know if you guys spent any time in New York city, but we, that was a year I think Italy won. And so we were in little Italy and we went to some restaurant, like everybody in Little Italy was watching the game. And so to be part of that finals game, even, you know, even though we weren't in Germany, um, being in, wait, that's right. It was Germany. It was Germany. I was trying to, not, not South Africa, but just seeing when, when Italy won and seeing how just bonkers the whole city went, and especially Little Italy and being there. And it was just, you know, everybody was, it wasn't just the Italians who were there. Everybody who lived in New York City was, you know, in the neighborhood watching. And so that was the moment. Um that really got to me. And so I feel like a poser sometimes because I never played. Like I said, I didn't know what offside was, but I obviously I know now. Um, that was that was it. And I was like, oh, I love the international aspect of this. Um, yeah. And just seeing everybody come together. I know there are people like, oh, soccer unites. And they, and they do unite. But we, we do know sometimes it gets heated. Because that was also the match. Was it the match where um, Zidane headbutted? Was it that in final? The, in the final, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, he did that. So it was a little violent. A, he chose what violence a way to go out. If you would, if they would have won that, that would have been like one of the best ways to go out in like an international game. By the way, sorry. So that was a good introduction for you. 2006 World Cup in Germany. Um, a lot of historic teams that played and did well. That was the time when Joga Benita was like kind of popular. I think L right. Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, so with that being said, I mean, you transitioned into soccer through MLS, but before that, I know we've talked offline about you know business school, different things like that. So can you give us like some of your origin around that? Oh, gosh. Um, you know what? It's actually through business school. I got the job at MLS because one of my, okay, gosh, I'm like, how long, how long you want this podcast to be? Um, I'll try and keep it tight. So, oh, you're fine. You're fine. I don't think I you're going to break the record. <laughs> you're good. I know it's a good thing or bad thing, but I was at, I was working at major league baseball and, uh, 
hated it. Really open about saying I hated working there. It was the first, like my first day on the job. I was like, oh shoot, this was a mistake. But my husband, was he my husband? He was my, he had just proposed, but he, he had just started medical school. So somebody had to pay the rent, right? Somebody had to pay the bills while he was in school. So I couldn't quit this job. And so I was at MLB, hated it. Felt like I wasn't really being used to my potential and said, God, I got to do something to keep me motivated or at least interested. So my brain doesn't feel like it's just numb. Right. And so I applied to business school. So I went part-time, went to NYU. And while I was at NYU, I met a classmate who was in the finance department of MLS and were taking the, I think it was a, yeah, we had, we had um, got to know each other and we had been taking the train, the four train down to, um, uh, you know, Grand Village. And he's like, you know what? There's a job opening up at MLS. Um, would you be interested? It's focused on sponsorships for, uh, around the Mexican national team and the Hispanic market. And, and I was like, yeah, but I don't have the experience. He's like, just give it a shot anyway. And so I have to credit, um, I have to credit my business school degree. It was a hell of an expensive degree, but that was, you know, I, I would say NYU has actually led to these two career opportunities. One was with Major League Soccer and the second one was with Wells Fargo. So I have to say just kind of showing up um, that way um, or, you know, um, really kind of led me to some really great career opportunities. But I love business school. It was tough, right? Going part time while you're working full time and the classes were really intense and you're around like really smart people. But I was it got me going when my day was just dreary and long and boring i got i was like hyped to be like i'm going to class you know with my fresh new notebook and everything so i don't know if that's what you want me to say but or no, if that's, no, that's good i think so. it's a uh, it's, it's a great topic because a lot of people that are trying to like take that next inroad into the sports business space or whatever space it is it's like do i go to grad school do i not it's a it's a it's a big commitment it's a big sacrifice oh, yeah. and then now you see like sports management programs you're like nyu has a program columbia has a program all these different programs um, so I just wanted to get your insight for someone that's done it. You know, what, what does that look like for anyone yeah. that may be listening? Yeah, no, I said, I, for me, it was definitely worth it. I think you, you know, it just depends on where you're going to be, what school you get into and do they have a good track record? Cause at the end of the day, to me, these sports programs, you know, they're moneymakers for the institutions. Right. And so they've got to fulfill that mission to help students find careers in the spaces. And so I do worry about some kids, um, especially like the ones like going straight from undergrad to a sports management class. Like I do worry that, um, it, you know, it's a competitive field and maybe they want to get some experience and really think through it. Cause it's, it's, you know, to start up from uh, falling into, I fell into sports. It's not a path I chose. It's not, you know, it doesn't pay well, right. It just doesn't pay well. And so if you're looking to pay off student debt, like that's a long road. So I would just really take, or tell folks to like really think about it before they apply. Would you, let me see how can I frame this? Would you say it's worth it to go get a, you know, a sports uh, graduate degree or are there other ways you can kind of grind your way in to the industry and kind of get in with, you know, saving some coin? Yeah. I would say if you're already in the industry, I don't know what an advanced degree is going to do for you. Um, if you're looking at transition, so you've graduated from school, you're maybe in a career that's not as appealing, you want to make a switch, I'd say, yeah, it's probably worth it so you understand, you know, kind of what you're getting into. And at the end of the day, whether it's, you know, whatever grad school you're going to, if it's, I think, a business-focused one, that you are really getting there for the network, right? Um, and know that. I mean, um, I want I, I want to say I'm like a nerd, but I'm not like the best of students. Like I'm just going to go hard as as hard as I need to go. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do enjoy learning, but I'm not going to go like 
like all the way. I'm like, what am I going to do to like not look dumb? You know, if I get the A, great. If I get the B, cool. Like uh, C, maybe I'll speak by. So anyway, long, long, I guess the long answer is I think if you're looking for a transition and I was looking for a transition, that's why I did go to business school too. Cause I had been kind of, I had started off in the legal field. And so I wanted to switch. So I think if you're looking for transitions, I definitely think it's worth it. If you are already in the industry, even on the periphery, I'd be like, there may be some other ways to do it. That's cheaper. Yeah. That's something I'm kind of like battling with. I don't want to say, but like I've thought about it. Um, So like my degree, my undergrad is in business, um, but I work in the design field. So I work in, for those who know, who know me personally, I work like as a UX designer. So I'm in, I've always been in the design and creative field. Nice. Um, but, you know, moving into the sports media space, um, like we're doing with Tucson Sports, I've always kind of juggled with the idea of like, should I, should I get an advanced mm-hmm. degree or should I just continue to grind it out and then create content, use my creative, you know, resources and network and then, you know, kind of get in that way. So still I, trying to you figure, figure that part it out. out. Yeah, I mean, we could spend. I could spend the next hour talking about career <laughs> advice and all that. I'd be like, like you're already doing it, right? So I don't. I, I would say yeah. if you enjoy learning and you're excited about learning, um, then think about the 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 next step in terms of education. But if you, I mean, I think what you're already doing is really good. And how much of that? How much of going to another program would help? So I, you know, the cost benefit analysis you got to think through. Yeah, I'm not excited about spending that money. No. Yeah, I feel like we're getting the you're getting the MBA just by like doing what we're doing now. So uh, with all the people you're talking to, yeah, yeah. But we, I mean, like seriously, if you want to chat more and anything I can do to like help assist, whether it's intros or yeah, you know, sure. talk about school. Yeah, I mean, I got a kid going to college next year. I'm not about to go back to school. You <laughs> if I don't have to, yeah. Wow, I mean, it's never too late, and it's also something really cool about that. Oh, I had a yeah, I know. I was like, "Oh, here's this young young guy, you know, right a couple years yeah. out of college. Let me, let me help him." But no, you're 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 good. Did you still help me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "We're not we're not we're not turning down help. I'm not turning so, down no help." So, Sarah, with that being said, you know, you mentioned MLS, you mentioned Wells Fargo, you've done some great things in the sports marketing space. Has there been like any ex- like project that like when you talk to people or network, like that's one that comes to mind? that one sponsorship that you were able to, you know, secure or one collaboration or campaign that really was like, yeah, this is what I, this is why I love my job. This is what I'm all about. Yeah, no, I mean, the reason, so I never thought I would like working for a bank, quite frankly, Um, but my team is really great. And uh, the work we do is really good. And it's actually pretty, it was a, a pretty diverse team. Like, you know, it was like maybe 10 of us in the sports marketing team. And like the head of our department was, you know, gay male, the guy that pulled me in. Go, so I went to NYU happy hour and that's how I got this job at Wells Fargo. You know, a black gentleman from New Jersey, super cool. Um, we had a black woman. It was like just like a really like un- like really unexpected and wonderful family. So I've been here for, for a while. But what keeps me here for eight years, because after two years, I'm usually like bored and ready to go somewhere else, um, is the work around the Mexican national team. Uh, I know there's a lot of U.S. soccer fans, you know, that listen to to this podcast, but we can we can talk about some unfiltered thoughts there. But um, I, you know, grew, growing up in a Mexican neighborhood, I knew that community to be like really proud of who they were, loud, you know, hardworking, um, you know, playing mariachi, you know, on the weekends. We had a guy, we had guys living in an apartment next door that were part of the mariachi band, so they were like, you know, literally like, you know, proud of of who they were. And I left the neighborhood and then really understood like what it was to be undocumented or as understood as, as I possibly could be right about the fear of being caught and 
being deported. And so while I was at, you know, uh, technically soccer United marketing while I'm at Wells Fargo sponsoring or doing work around the Mexican national team gives me like the greatest joy because these are, this is a community where its members will work their asses off, bust our, you know, farm workers, laborers, you know, all the, you know, really labor intensive jobs, um, that are underpaid, right. That, um, folks don't really want, um, they will work their asses off, save that money, send it back home, but they will keep, you know, $150 as, you know, for themselves to buy a ticket to the game in a Mexico Jersey. Right. And so as sponsors, mind you, it's corporate and yeah, we're for a bank and, you know, all these things that people like really dis- dislike without the sponsors, like these teams don't show up. Right. And so these fans don't have a moment to be who they are until they'll come to the game and they're there as soon as, you know, even before gates open, ready to, you know, display their, their flags um, and play their music and eat their carne asada and all these good things. Right. And so I think just generally that's the work that keeps me going in terms of like one project, 2018 world cup, uh, did a campaign around um, new mobile services that we had, including a fraudulent alert. And, you know, we did this ad TV ad campaign with Landon Donovan, um, getting a suspicious, you know, text alert on his phone about a purchase of, at the Mexico national team store. And his friend's like, yo, Landon, like, that's weird. And he's like, is it? And then Landon wears, he, he opens his jacket to show that he's wearing a Mexico shirt. And I think I remember um, that. Yes. So that, that campaign was kind of wild for a lot of reasons, but the, the the big one was like Landon. As much as people people were really upset with Landon doing that, right? Um, they felt they were upset that he was cheering on Mexico. They felt he sold out. But the thing about Landon, at least from what I know of him working with him, I think since 2014, is like he grew up in Southern California. He grew up playing with immigrants. He grew up, you know, at least learning Spanish. He was playing for Liga MX at the time, and you know, he was really like. You know, he was really a man of conviction in terms of, you know, doing this in support of um, our campaign, which was in response to, quite frankly, Trump being president in 2017 into 2018 and just seeing how um, just how traumatized, you know, black community was, Latino community was. But, you know, I was specifically working with, you know, Mexican Mexican fan base and um, to be able to work on a campaign that showed, you know, our big, you know, our biggest, you know, uh, customer base, like we, you know, we see you, we support you. We know you love this team. It's part of your identity. And like, we're here for you. And mind you, this is all, you know, it's a corporation, right? At the end of the day, but you know, there are people behind the work and this was something like I was really, really proud of. And it caused a lot of commotion, for a second like this is maybe like not the best of a joke but i felt like oh my god like i just started the civil war across like u.s you know men's national team because people were upset you know other players were upset with donovan he like fought back and was like what are you talking about and so anyhow but i mean so the work i do with the Mexican national team gives me purpose um and when i was interviewing for wells fargo i said look if you were hiring me to work on the nfl or the mlb i would not be interested in this job but it's specifically because you're working with the mexican national team um and soccer that i i want to to be here so there was so i mean that was kind of a long story but it's so much longer than what i'm telling you um that that's the one i feel really good about and i will say like after that commotion um you know fans were like that's my bank wells fargo's my bank i love my bank and who says that about their bank no one right oh. and at that week, you know, we were, Wells Fargo was the number one brand discussed during the opening um, 
week of the World Cup after Nike and Adidas. And again, we're not sponsors. We're we're a bank that people aren't excited about. But in that moment, you know, it was mostly good conversation. Killing it. So, yeah, you talk about like all the like all the details that went into like making that deal with Landon Donovan and like being on the corporate sponsorship side, like what makes a good deal? Like the deal flow behind like a sponsorship, what are you guys looking for? Is it to create conversation, sometimes controversy, sometimes engagement? What does that look like? Oh, it depends on the year. Right. Um, so I've been here eight years and it's, it's changed for, from everything from, you know, we want more we want to connect more with the millennial and Hispanic markets and we want them to use mobile banking more to, oh, um, we've had some reputational issues. Now we got to work, work, work on like how to rebuild trust. But I would say, you know, I get pitched. Um, I don't know how many times a day and not. I mean, there's some like really great and interesting programs out there, but not everybody's like the best like delivery of that program. Like not everybody's like a great salesperson. Um and I throw myself into that bucket, but I would say kind of just one, know who you're talking to. I know like, it's really hard to like, you need income, you need revenue, but I, I get pitched for stuff that doesn't make sense. Fire, you know, like shooting competition, like horse racing, like, um, gambling, you know, like, uh, you know, betting events. Like we can't, as a bank, there's certain things that we just don't want to touch and there's other brands that aren't you know aren't going to want to be associated with some of these things as well um so i just say you know what are we looking for um that's changing at the moment but i'd say you know for me it's like what what are the 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 teams because we mostly focus on sports although that, that might change down the road um you know what are the things that have a really engaged audience i'd say engagement right now right because everybody knows who wells fargo is so me you know, putting Wells Fargo on a sign isn't going to do much for the brand. People already know Wells Fargo. So what what's going to get people to be, hey, Wells Fargo is my bank, right? Like, what are those? And I, I this sounds like really vague, but really, what is it? It can't be presented by Wells Fargo. I, we, again, like there's a lot of um, there's just like a lot of um, I don't know what the opposite of creativity is, but there's a lot of like tired approaches in sponsorship. Um where we just kind of see the same thing. Like, oh, well, you know, we'll get your brand in front of everybody. I'm like, ah, well, we got branches everywhere. People see the signs. So like, what else? And so I think being able to like really find ways to to connect with folks um, is best. And it's hard, man. It's hard because everybody's on social. Everybody's an influencer. Everybody like, it's like once you kind of think like, oh, this is going to work, it's already been done like for a year. And so you got to try and find something new. Um, but I'd say anything that really like captivates like emotion or energy, um, even like stuff like, you know, um, community goodwill, like that feels like that's also been kind of, um, done so much that nobody trusts the corporation to do it. Right. So what else? And I don't have all the answers. Just sometimes I'll see something really cool and interesting. I'm like, wow, I've not seen that before. And that kind of piques my interest. Now, whether we have the budget, that's a separate conversation. Right. Yeah. So I got a question like to like off that, because obviously being a bank, there's like a lot of compliance. So you guys have to be even more creative. But from the standpoint yeah. of like you, you mentioned people pitching you, what are like some immediate like like don't pinch don't pitch me with this or like don't say this in the email, because I know a lot of times you know with two cents sports and we we reach out to a, quite a few people, but people are interested in like all right how can I get this company to back this or how can I get this collaboration yeah. to, to work? I would say so. I usually get pitches via email, um, and. One, I think, I think 
if you're going to reach out to me, like you guys did your homework, right? So I was like, oh, she's from Chicago. Uh, Moby were like, mm, she doesn't talk about goalkeepers, right? So it's a lot of work, but know who you're reaching out to, even if it's like a five minute Google search, right? Um, and I can tell right away when somebody has not done their homework. Um, and it could be everything from somebody trying to explain why soccer is important. Like, come on, man. Like, I've worked for MLS. I've been sponsoring soccer for years. Like, I think I know what I'm getting into, right? So, like, that's really irritating. Um, let's see what else. The the Oh, we can get your brand out there. That's really irritating because our brand is out there, right? Um, so, I, I just any, any anytime I see that somebody has not done their homework is, like, no, right? And there's and here's the thing, though. I will always get back to somebody. If they've done their homework, I will always respond. Even if it's a no, an immediate no, I will always respond. And an immediate no could be like um, e-gaming, like for shoot 'em up games, right? Um, or battle games. Like that's, you know, anything with violence, MMA, wrestling, immediate no, right? Um, but if it's, if it's a good pitch, then I'll be like, you know, this is why we can't do it. And I'll, I'll give them a rationale. If it's a cut and paste job, um, then I'll usually hit delete. Cause you can, you can, you can see them. Like it is like really obvious when somebody has not done any work. And again, it's a lot, right? Cause it's at the end of the day, it is a numbers game. You're pitching like a hundred people to get maybe 10 responses to get maybe one. Yes. And you do not have all the time to do all your homework on everybody. But I would say even two minutes, you can tell I, I've taken phone calls for, for people knowing I'm going to say no, but letting them know like, Hey, I was really impressed with your pitch. I can't do it, but keep on going and good luck. And there's, and there's some people I've offered to help. Um, doesn't always work out, but because I think they're so good. I'm like, look, I can't do it from where I sit, but. No, that's facts. And I will say, you know, for the audience listening, Sarah will help. She's helped me with plenty of different okay. things regarding frugal athlete and different things like that. So uh, mad respect. If you, you know, do your homework, you know, come with intention and, you know, try to provide value. No, don't always ask, 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 you know, try to give and, you know, ten, good things tend to happen when you do that. Yeah, no, thanks, Moby. And like I said, I, you know, I was telling Elle when you when you had to step away for a second, I was like, man, there's, there's we're going to collaborate at some point. What well, you know, I don't know when or where, but I feel like it's going to happen because you're, you're both doing some really great stuff. No, and speaking of really great stuff, you know, you're on the board of uh, I Play Like a Girl. Uh, can you talk about that? Like, what's its mission? Like, how did you get involved? I feel like, you know, some things fall in your lap, but then some things you're just like a go getter and like go and go after it. Yeah, this was one. This one was this was one that fell on my lap. I had met the CEO of Play Like a Girl at this ESPN Women's event, and we had just been, you know, she'd been telling what she's doing, and I just like throwing out some ideas, whatever. But play, play like a girl. Um, the purpose, um, the purpose or the mission today is to keep uh, middle middle age school. I'm like no middle school girl. I don't even, I'm like I'm like stumbling over it. Basically, girls between nine and fourteen to, to stay in sports, right? Because what we've seen is. Um, 50% of, of, of girls will drop out of sports by the time they hit high school. And what the research has shown, um, ESPN and I think it was Ernst and Young had done the study where they surveyed all, um, uh, I can't remember if it was Fortune 500, C-level executives or women in leadership position in, in, in the corporate world to find out like why they were successful. And it turns out um, like 92% had played sports growing up. And about half, especially those in the C-suite, had played collegiate at the collegiate level, right? So you got some like really strong data showing that um, girls who play sports grow up to be women in in um, these really amazing roles. And so part of the the playing a girl curriculum is one, just access, right? Whatever it is, whatever, whether it's archery, whether it's soccer, whether it's golf, um, whatever the sport is, it could be gymnastics, dance, cheer, 
um, there are these um, these benefits like leadership and confidence building skills. And so that was kind of the core mission. But then just seeing where women are not represented tend to be in the STEM fields, right? So science, tech, um, engineering, math. And so layering STEM onto sport and showing how the two can work together for um, for long-term success. So um, the, the organization offers camps and clinics. We tend to partner with um, school districts. Right now, the focus um, uh, is, is Nashville, but we have mentoring sessions and we do pop up clinics around the country. Um, but the goal is to keep these girls um, engaged, active. And, you know, I mean, the confidence levels, I need some of the confidence levels for the girls that are in our program because they, you know, have no fear. They say what's on their mind. I think, you know, whereas it took me, you know, probably 40 years to get here, they're like there in like 12, you know? Um, so thanks for asking. It's a, it's a pretty wonderful group. Um, and um, yeah, and they'll, we'll talk about things like, you know, financial literacy and education um, as much as we will about physics, you know, when you hit a ball and gosh, please don't quiz me on my math right now, my, my formulas, but like tying all that together. Um is key. That sounds dope. Have you guys done any work with uh, Space United? No, I don't know what that is. So we've had them on the show a few weeks back. Um, Space United it. FC. They are uh, a soccer club started by former uh, SpaceX. Former and current. Yeah, former and current. What? And so they have a, um, a program with, where they work with kids where they kind of integrate soccer with STEM. So I think that could be a pretty good um, connection there. That's really cool. I missed that one, but you saw I just wrote that down. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely make the connection. And also we'll have more information of, of I Play Like a Girl in the show notes. Um, oh, so thank you for my sharing. I think, like you said, it's important, you know, access and exposure. That's like the big game changer, um, you know, for these young ladies um, as they continue to, you know, grow in the space of not only soccer, but other sports and, uh, the different C-suite opportunities um, that are available to them. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, you know, you, you've done, speaking of C-suite, speaking of opportunity, you are an owner. You're wrapping the hat right now. Talk about this because I saw on Twitter, you just randomly is like, oh, I'm so happy. I'm like, why is she, like, I know she's like lives out there, but wh- how did this happen? Oh, yeah, man. So this is something that, well, I was going to say, you you mentioned something about like going to make it happen, whether things fall on your lap. And this was kind of maybe a combination of both, maybe. Yeah, it was a combination of both. But, you know, so, so, gosh, I'm like, damn, where do I start? Um, so a couple of years ago, um, I had a former colleague from, from this would be a long story. So I'm just like, if you need to jump in, it's a really long story. So a few years ago, I a former MLS colleague had um, uh, announced ownership of the Las Vegas Lights. And I was like, oh, I was like, Brett did that? I'm like, maybe I could do that, right? And so I went so I went to go visit him out in Vegas um, and just learn more about what that process was. And so my husband and I, so we, we've been there a long time. We make a lot of decisions together. And a lot of that is obviously financial. And so we're trying to figure out like, okay, how much would it cost to buy into a team to become team owners. And so we, so, you know, when I heard about Brett, that was the first time I knew anybody personally that had been a team owner. And so that really kind of got the, the idea going. Um, and so we looked at, um, you know, what, what that, what that was like, and we're like, Oh, could, you know, would you be open to, you know, other investors? And they're like, no, I want to keep in the family. So I was like, all right, no problem. Get it. Right. And so, 
this was like 20, this was probably 2016. So it's been a minute. And then through that, just, you know, Googling, like, what does it, what does it cost? Like, you know, I'm thinking you have to be like billionaires and Brett is not a billionaire. So I'm thinking, all right, this is like attainable. Right. And so then I had another, my former boss was CMO for my league baseball. And I'm like, all right, that's, those are, you know, it's not a huge money to be in a franchise. And again, just doing some homework there. And I think he said at the time, it was like maybe 2 million to buy into uh, to buy a, a minor league baseball team. But I was like, I'm not excited, but you know how I feel about baseball. Right. So I was like, I, I don't want to do that. Um, but then last year, another former colleague um, announced, you know, it was announced that she was um, a co-owner of Angel City. And I was like, oh, like, that's amazing. Like, yes. Like, and I was like, that, that's when I really got excited. Like, I, you know, the other two, you know, conversations were just like interesting, like, let me learn, but like, what's it going to be? And so anyway, so I looked into that and they weren't open, you know, to like, any new, you know, no new friends at that point. So, all right, fine. Um, then I reached out to the Chicago Red Stars um, because the owner of the Red Stars follows me on Twitter and I'm from Chicago. So I'm like, okay, maybe. And I had just heard um, somebody else saying they were talking to um, the owner of the Red Stars about potentially buying in. So I was like, okay, like, you know, that's also not daunting, right? If you're not like a, a majority owner, you don't have to put up as much um, capital. And so, yeah. Reached out to him. No response there. Just I don't even think he ever saw my message. So that was um so that was that. And this is the part where it falls in uh into my lap where um the courage had called me. Somebody on the sponsorship team had called me looking for sponsorship. And we had just talked about, you know, when I when I respond to somebody and when I don't. And this person I could tell had done his homework. Um and you know, I called him back. I was like, look, I can't, I can't sponsor. We're we're facing a lot of budget cuts um we're we're you know over invested in north carolina because that's where our biggest offices are and mm-hmm. a lot of businesses and i said me you know this could be a conversation we have um maybe next year um but good luck right like i really wish you the best if there's anything i do let me know and so i didn't even think about asking him at this point because i had been rejected or nobody had responded i was like oh, okay i'm done and then like two days later i had just randomly come across this news headline in the Raleigh News and Observer, it's like Steve Malik, owner of The Courage, open to investors. And I was like, <gasps> so I called up my sponsorship guy and I said, look, it's still no for me from Wells Fargo, but I personally am interested, you know, in, 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 in being an investor. And he was like, okay, you know, like, let me, you know, I'm not in charge of the process. Let me put you in touch with somebody who is. And that's how the conversation got started. Nice. So I'll take a breather there. So this is definitely something I'm interested in. I know Moby's interested in this as well. Um, My apologies. Oh no, I saw good. We didn't miss you. I um, wasn't going to say anything, Moby, <laughs> but Moby dropped off. He's back on now. All right. So this is something that that I know both Moby and I are very interested in. Um, is like team ownership. Um, and you know, there's been tons of you know lower league teams who have done like crowds crowdfunding campaigns and stuff like that and we've definitely got into some of those um but this is definitely something i'm personally interested in as well so like as much as you can share i would love to like hear like the steps um ballpark figures if you can even share that yeah right right i don't want to pry too much and like if there's like any like strategic um things that kind of help make your bid a little bit more appealing to an owner 
Yeah. Yeah. So happy to talk, uh, you know, share what I can and certainly NDA uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the process. So I can't disclose you know, okay. too much, but I'll share what I think I can share. Um, okay. So it was interesting. So the first conversation with, with the courage, it was, um, it was great. One, you know, one that I appreciate that they took me seriously. Right. Cause at, um, Oh, what I didn't mention was, so when I saw the news article saying, you know, Steve Malik had opened to investors, I, you know, I said, I called them back and said, I'm, I'm interested. Like, I want to do it, you know? And, and they said, okay, well, we'll call you back. We'll put you in touch with the right people. And so I went to bed that night and the next morning, turn on Twitter or go on Twitter and it's Naomi Osaka, new courage owner. And I was like, <gasps> that's it. Like I've got zero chance. Like I, my heart, like I was excited for her, but my heart sank. Cause I'm thinking, you know, angel city has all these celebrities. Right. Um, that was like, you know, that seemed to be the trend. And I was like, Oh no, I can't like, I'm just, I'm just like little Sarah over here. Right. Um, but they called me back and I said, thank you so much for calling me back. I am sure you've got people out of the woodwork now calling you trying to buy in. And they said, Oh yeah, everybody's calling us to buy in. Right. And so we, so we, you know, it was supposed to be maybe a half hour conversation wound up being 90 minutes, not just because I talk a lot, but just a lot. We, we, were, we were vibing, right. It was, I would say something and they would say something. And it was like, we were dating. We we're both trying to convince each other why we were the right fit for each other. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was like the first step is getting to know each other. Um, and then, you know, out of that conversation, it was, and I, and I will say this just because I know we're, you know, two cents. We, we, you guys talk about money and finance here. Um, I know that's, you know, a personal passion for, for Moby for sure. And L sounds like you are too. Um, you know, then it's like, the question is, okay, great that you're interested. Are you an accredited investor? Right. And so to be an accredited investor, uh, you probably have talked about this on, on the show or aware, right. There's certain things that you need to check off the box and you can Google this and say um, part of it is, you know, what's your, what's your income for the past couple of years as a, you know, either single as a, or as a married um, couple, um, what's, what are your, your net assets, not including your home. Um, and there's one more requirement. I can't remember. There were like three things. And so, you know, check, check, check. And so, and I will share, right. So some, some of the background, some of my, um, uh, kind of financial background is, you know, we both my husband and I, so we both came in, in the ownership conversation together, even though I called the courage without telling him, I just went for it, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So, you know, I started getting, I started getting into trading um, probably when I hit 30. Right. So I had a small trading account was a lot. I can't remember how much I put in. Um, and it's all relative, right. What's a lot, what's not right. But I'd say, I think part of it was I was trading, um, I don't know, maybe it was like $5,000, you know, at the time in like my, my account. And so I had started that way. My husband foregoing, he's, he was, uh, now he's a, he's a, a surgeon but before that he had done investment banking. Right. So we'd always talked about like, you know, both growing up from immigrant families, like where he grew up, like he was born in Haiti. And so like, you look at the town where he came from, you're like, man, how'd you get here? You know, I was in a situation where I didn't know I wasn't well off until I got to college. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> so so this is what, you know, rich people do and have. Okay, this, this is different. Um, so a lot of it was just like, how do we grow our own wealth, right? Because none of our parents, neither one of our parents was going to give us money. We didn't have generational wealth, right? Even though our parents worked really hard. So anyway, so that's just to give you like a basis for like where, how we accumulated like the funds to even do this, right? right. So that was part of it. The second piece was in between my time working at Major League Soccer and today, I left sports, um, and I've done a bunch of different things, but including working at a venture capital firm. Well, that venture capital firm, um, 
allowed me to buy stock options and I exercised those options and the company went public. So that was very helpful to acquire, right? A good pocket of money. And, you know, we were able to like put a deposit on a house and then the, you know, look, it certainly played a, you know, a good part where we were able to come in buy this house at low interest rates. And then we sold the house and then we made money off of the house. Right. And then, um, and so then certainly just with our income and savings, we don't, we don't buy a ton of stuff. Like we don't have a lot of material things, but we paid off our student loans. And then we're like, you know, once you, you're in a place to like see growth, right. Mm-hmm. Um, through this thing, um, called interest, right. Um, Calm this is really, interest. Like, I'm not, what's that movie? Compound interest yeah. is a beautiful thing. It, when yeah. it works in your favor, it's That's a beautiful true. thing. When it works, when it when it's dead, it's not great. So <laughs> anyhow, so all these things kind of helped us get to this point, right? So I, I did want to bring that up here. Um, now, in terms of like the actual like dollar amount, I cannot disclose that, but it is it is significant. Um, you know, I will say I had friends that reached out and they were like, "Hey, you know, I'm interested," and I was like, "Well, I can't disclose," but like you know, and they would throw out some money. Um, some figures. And I was like, you know, unless you do a collective, right. Maybe get an LLC and like aggregate those funds and then go in, go in as a group. I said, you know, it's tough. So, so yeah, you're, it's, it's, it's pretty significant. I don't want to downplay that, but, um, but I did want to share like how we got to that point. Cause you just, you know, yeah, and I did right. do what, what, what you guys did. I got, re- I got rejected because they oversubscribed, but Detroit city FC, they had their a couple of years ago, I don't know if you saw that you could buy a share, and so I was like, "Yeah, I yeah. want to buy a share. I want to be a team owner." Like this was like two or three years ago, um, but they're like, "No, thanks. You know, take your you know hundred dollars and you know hundred thirty dollars and take it back because there were too many people that were participating, which is fine." Yeah. So anyhow, all right. So now we've gone through like you know the courting conversation, the are you accredited investor conversation, went through the you know Sarah like you know how do you and your husband afford this right? So that's mm-hmm. right. This is like. Now, like a decade. So, of- it's only right, though. You know, we had someone from Wells Fargo. You got to give us a little financial history oh. and some context. So, thank you so much for that. For You're sure. welcome. You're welcome. And so, yeah. So, a lot of it, I would say, layered, right? The compound interest definitely layered over, you know, many, many years, right? It wasn't necessarily a total windfall, but a lot of it was. Um, and, you know, from that, I will say, sorry, we also invested in startups, right? Um, there is um, a couple options where you can start off um, investing in small uh, in small amounts, right? All, again, relative, um, where you go find websites and do that. And we've seen returns from that. So all of this like added up, right, to where we were like able to invest. And then, okay, so the next step, once you say, yeah, check, 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 I have a credit, you know, I've got all these steps done. Now they're like, okay, well, um, the guy who's in charge of the process is let me introduce you to the majority owner and then have a conversation that way. And so that's where, and that's when we start talking. And again, it's still more of like the courting, but that, you know, L to your point, that's when the strategic components come to place, right? Cause there's a lot of people out there, at least it feels that way that have more money than I do, you know, have more money than me and my husband combined uh, by leaps and bounds, but they didn't bring anything to the table beyond the money. And that's, you know, Steve was like, I don't want that. Like I want, he, he wants somebody who, you know, wasn't doing it for the ego play. Although I was kind of doing it for the ego play. He wanted somebody, um, uh, he definitely wanted, he wanted women. He wanted people of color. He wanted, um, you know, whether me being Latina, my husband being black, like he wanted really diverse perspectives on there. I think the fact that I have a sponsored background certainly helped. The marketing piece certainly helped. Um, and so that's the type of folks that they, that they and I think Lisa Baird even mentioned it maybe recently in an interview 
about like, what are you looking for in new investors? And, and a lot of it was like, you know, what, what do you bring to the table besides the, the money piece? And so I felt like we had a pretty compelling case there and they saw that. And, you know, I have to thank them because they, they took me seriously. Like I said, Naomi Osaka news came out and everybody was calling them and I was like, I'm not going to get a call back. And they did. And I'm really appreciative of the opportunity because it really is. You don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Like I just happened to know people, you know, who had started at Angel City or, uh, you know, Las Vegas Lights that I can at least, you know, maybe learn a little bit. But you don't know when necessarily unless they publicly disclose like Steve did. Right. You don't know when these opportunities pop up. Um, And that's I mean, and then back to your point, we'll be about the access all around, like, you know, beyond sports, you know, just kind of life and growth and certainly financial, you know, um, education and literacy. Like you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I just read, I don't know if you saw the news about Peter Thiel today about how this Joker, I don't like him very much. I'm okay saying that. <laughs> I was like, oh, how this Joker, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. He manipulated um, uh, the, 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 the Roth IRA, IRA um uh, vehicle to accumulate, you know, millions and millions, if not billions, right? Like the Roth IRA is like you're you're capped at what you can contribute, but somehow he was yeah. able to finagle and work the system. And just like that article that came out, I think it was um, uh, was it ProPolitica last last week about how all these billionaires have avoided oh, paying? Yeah, I read that one. So you, right, so it's just another extension of like people have worked the system. Yeah. It may not be illegal, but you're just like, wait a second, you know, like this is not, and they, but the thing is they've got access to attorneys and accountants who know how to work these systems. And man, I went off on a tangent, but it's just not, you know, it's just, I'm just, I guess goes back to the point of access. Like you just don't know what you don't know. And it's really frustrating. And so again, I'm like, you know, as much as I can share, you know, I want to be able to do that because I would love to see more of this. And I think from this experience, I'm thinking, man, own what you can, right? Like, and so yeah. what you're doing with two cents, or what you know, what you're doing with frugal, um, frugal athlete, like it's it's a grind, it's it's hard, right? And you're just like, oh, yeah, that is definitely. And my husband's always been entrepreneurial. Um, my dad owned a business growing up, like a mom and pop, sh- you know, sh- store. And I just saw how much he worked, and I was like, I don't want to work that hard, you know? Like that was always my thing. I was like, I don't want to work that hard, but I get it now. I totally get it now. Yeah. And kind of going back to the strategic piece, you know, your husband's an orthopedic surgeon. So like that's a you know yes, yes. legs. Like that's if 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 soccer. that's it. If, yeah, he's off. He's like, if you ever need a second opinion, you know, he's here for it. And we know they've got their their, their team doc, but that's certainly uh we think an asset to in the space. For sure. Yeah, I'm all about finding strategic angles to kind of get in there, get in the door, especially if you don't have all of the, you know, financial assets that yeah. you require, but you can bring some other value to the table. Yeah. And like, Sorry, yeah. And even, no, you're right. And I think even in, which I saw, you know, I, I certainly value the people, you know, in my, in my orbit, uh, but to be able to make some connections and hopefully, you know, some of the, the, the startups that we've worked with can potentially become sponsors down the road. Right. Once they see some success is that would be like a dream for me is to be like, Oh, this is something we, we invested in here. They've grown and now they can be, you know, a team sponsor. Like that would be amazing. So yeah. knock on wood with that one. That'd be amazing. So with that being said, now you're, you know, you're part of the NWSL family. Say you are Lisa Bear for a second. What are you doing from a marketing standpoint? You know, your commissioner. What? Oh, like, how man. you? How, how are you growing the game? 
Oh, I feel like she's already done so much. Oh, how are you going? To... Oh gosh. Yeah, I let's think... give her her credit. She has done yeah. a lot. She's done some great she, stuff. She has. She really has. I, you know, I think about, I don't know if this is quite the answer, but like I've been thinking about, you know, especially the courage, right? It's a small market team compared to LA, Chicago, New York, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think about, and this is not, this is maybe not an answer, but I think about just the awareness and exposure level. And I think getting, finding ways to, to be able to tell um, the stories of the teams, of the athletes, you know, of the fans is huge. And I, it seems like so basic, but I think we got people becoming millionaires because they were on some reality TV show and they really had nothing to offer in my opinion. Right. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people are certainly talented, right? You got your talent shows, but then you've got some, just like some random shows out there and you're just like, Oh, wow. You know, they're now famous. They're now commanding, you know, millions and people know them everywhere and they're listening to them on Instagram. And I'm thinking, why can't, you know, I, I would love to just see more just general marketing and support from, every aspect of the game, especially the media side of things, I think that's really important. And so it's really great to, um, it's, it's a streaming service, but it's really, it's been great that, you know, CBS signed on and, you know, CBS has like completely gone like all in on soccer, but it's really great to have like one space or place where people can go to and find the games. I think that's huge. Right. And even MLS was facing this years ago when you didn't know when, when or where to watch an MLS game. I think having some consistent broadcasting is 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 key. Um, so I think that's certainly it. Whether it's I think broadcasting is certainly a piece of it, but then also being able to have um, um, you know, every aspect like the reason why sponsors, you know, besides the revenue piece, part of it is to you leverage their channels, right? So I know MLS gets excited whenever we've got MLS content on our ATM screens or in our um, TV screens and branches, right? A lot of that is awareness. Like, oh, wow, you see him on TV. And it's like, you something about seeing somebody on TV makes him like compelling. It all, and, it all you know, adds up. It, it all adds yeah, up. it's so simple. It's so simple. Like, I'll tell you guys, I don't say this a lot, even though it's like public. So James and I were on HGTV a couple years ago and we were on House Hunters. And I was like, oh, and it was, I will say it was a strategic move on his part to grow his practice because we had just moved to town in Florida. But the number of people who've been like, oh, we've seen it on HGTV and they're like really excited about it. It's a thing. And I'm just like, oh, God, you know, like, you know, some days I wish we had never done that, you know, but in other ways. So I I would love to see like the courage, you know, get on HGTV. Right. It's just little things like that people pay attention to and like they love it. Just I don't know. I don't know how to explain that phenomenon. And just being on TV makes you like an instant hit. So so are you also thinking content beyond just game days so oh yeah yeah that's a very around teams stuff like that oh you broke it down much more succinctly than i did but yeah that's that yeah that that'd be it just be part of like you know i think everybody has a really everybody's got a great story to tell everybody does um so i don't want to minimize anybody who's gone on you know reality tv and done you know dating competitions or anything like that um but Yes, it's, it's, you know, something that gets people really interested, right? Because there's not a whole lot of time to, you know, there's, it's 45 minutes, solid, 15 minutes, and then, and then then it's kind of, it. no, you know, and you know, in the women's game, nobody, I shouldn't say no, it's getting better. I feel like last year there was a turning point. I felt like there was like momentum behind NWSL. I felt like there was momentum behind WNBA and then COVID hit and it was like, oh no, what's going to happen? And it actually wound up, I think, helping because 
those were the two leagues that came back first um, in terms of TV. So I think that that exposure was really beneficial. And then even when the other sports came back, the other dominant sports came back, those ratings for the most part retained, which has been really great to see for both WNBA and WSL. For sure. Yeah, we'll talk offline. That's yeah. No, but you bring up a great point. Me and Elle talk about it all the time. Like, if we could see, like, the all or nothings, the hard knocks, those type of shows or, like, those behind-the-scenes actions, especially in the women's game, because, I mean, we've we've said it, you know, the NWSL women, they know how to brand. They know how to market. Like, if you go to their Instagram pages, they do a great job. So if we could see more of that, that would be great. And I don't want to backtrack, but, you know, you talked about uh, startups and stuff like that. So do you have, like, a philosophy as it pertains to, you know – what you guys invest in, you know, whether it's in the sports space or outside the sport. Yeah. Um, I would say, so when we first started, it was stuff that we knew mostly in the medical space, right? Cause we had access again, access, right. Who's looking for money. How do you even go about investing in a company? So it started off in the medical device space, just because that was what we had access to. Right. And so Jane, you know, and, and my husband, I, I trust his business set and it's like, he's like one of the smartest guys I know. Um, and so when he was like, Oh, what do you, you know, and it was, it was neat. It was, it was really endearing that he's like, Oh, you know, we've got this company. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. You're the surgeon. What do you think? Right. But we would talk it through. And so anyway, it started off in the medical space and then it went to, um, there's a couple sites. One is called, I don't know if you've heard of it. One is called, I think funders club. And the other one's called micro ventures where you as an individual person, again, assuming you, you hit these, these minimum like requirements, you can invest like you know, modest amounts, again, relatively speaking. Um, and so it was things like Robinhood, Pinterest, um, trying to think what else. I think 23andMe, other other stuff that popped up. There's, well, there's certainly been, you know, companies that have like gone bust and, you know, we've lost money. And then now I made this year, uh, aside from the courage, you know, I put, I put it, uh, somebody had posted, oh, where are the, where are the women investors? Right. Um, because we know the big ones, we know women, you know, are kind of overlooked, especially, you know, if they're founders, but from an investor standpoint, like who's reaching out to the women. And so I put I posted on Twitter, like, okay, I, um, you know, uh, I'm looking at, um, you know, women focused companies, consumer products, um, you know, uh, $10,000, you know, in terms of, you know, the check, um, I can't remember what else I was saying. Um, everybody says like novel or unique or different, right? But just something like I felt like was compelling. And part of it is like, you don't know it until you see it, which is not really helpful to founders, right? Like, yeah. And so when I posted that, I had maybe 15 people um, um, pitch me their, their company. And there was out of the 15, I think five are pretty good, but I only landed on one only because, I can't afford to write checks for everybody. Right. So there, there is a limit. Right. And so um, there was some really great thing. And what was great. I saw black, black um, one, two, three, there's probably three or four black women founders. Um, there's a couple of folks in the music space. There's a lot of people in the skincare and fashion space. And so like, those are areas I felt like I don't really know. And I feel like there's a lot of competition. So how do you break through? That's also the hardest, like, it's like, what stands out to me? Um, cause and I, and I, you know, I shared with everyone that pitched to me, I'm like, Hey, this is why I'm not going to move forward. And part of it is my own ignorance, you know? And I said, look, I, I don't know the space enough to feel comfortable. You may have a compelling product, like try, these may be other people you want to talk to or other areas you may want to look at. And again, I'm not the expert in the space. So, you know, hopefully no hard feelings. Right. I ultimately picked, and I'm not an expert in the space either, but I picked, um, uh, this company called purpose tea. 
um, Vietnamese woman, immigrant. Um, I, there's something just about the way she was really passionate about her work. And not to say that other people weren't, but her thing was it's a social enterprise focused on helping um, the women that pick tea, this purple tea in Kenya, um, be able to have raise enough money to buy their own land so they can con- you know continue right so it wasn't just like higher wages it was like high enough wages to buy your own so that you yeah. can grow right um and then and then the pro- the product was just good so i and that's the other thing before i went i went and i i wanted to see what it was like so i ordered my own teas off of amazon off their website i wanted to see what that process was like from a customer perspective um, people what's that Say due diligence. Yes, that's right. Due diligence. She had already, um, the product was already in like uh, Whole Foods in Texas. So the revenue is already coming in. That's the other thing, right? Like there's some people who are going to bet really big, even when you have zero income. Um, I'm not there yet, right? Um, like I need to see something's coming in, right? Uh, besides just like my own personal, like, because um, I could probably be like suckered into anything, right? But that's where I'm like, due diligence will help ground me. Sorry, I, I told you I can go really long. And then, um, so but once I tasted the product, product on top of everything else I heard, I'm like, that's it. This this tastes really good. And I don't even I don't even love iced tea, but I love the taste of this this iced tea, right? Um, and there's iced tea everywhere, but I love the social enterprise aspect. I love that she was immigrant, uh, that she was Asian, that she had been really thoughtful. And then she and then I looked at who um, who she had on board, and she had found somebody who. Um, one of her picks to help her grow the company was um, this guy who was he used to work at PepsiCo, leading growth brands at Pepsi. Right, so his job was to acquire new brands and identify new categories within the beverage space. And so I was like, she found the right person to help her. You know, she knows she knows what she knows, but she knows like what she doesn't know, and she got to find somebody yeah. to fill that plug. Anyway, so as of this month they are now in i think 1500 kroger stores around the country so that was like um, that was like really exciting so yeah so it's called purpose tea um and and kroger's it's like albertson's whatever the family of kroger stores are um oh so you're in austin you may be able to like texas was like the first i'm gonna check it out yeah i'm I'm a tea drinker now are you yes help me help me help me stay patient Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm trying to go all in on some of these personal projects, two cents sports, frugal athlete, but I'm always looking. So I know you said. Still... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say she's looking. She's still looking for investors if anybody's interested, but okay, we, can, cool. we can chat we'll, about we'll that. We'll definitely chat offline. Yeah, let's, okay. let's chat about that. What about um, like if there's like one sports startup, obviously you invested in the courage, but like Ooh. one sports startup, I know you're, you know, you retweet together X a lot. Um, as you know, there's re-ink. Oh. Um, is there like one sports start out there? You're like, if I had the chance or oh. I'm looking to get into. Damn, man. I, I, I'm, not prepared. Tip of her tongue. I'm not prepared for that question. <laughs> hmm. I, you know, you know what? I think together is a good one. I think, I think together is a good one. Um, not just because of the founders, but I think the industry is now ready to start elevating women's voices in sports. So I think that's one I would definitely like, they, I think they're probably acquired in like a couple of years. So from a, from a yeah, investment, yeah. From a, like an investment investment standpoint, that's probably it. I'll try and think of some other ones, but that's, that's, you know, it's kind of what I'm eyeing kind of now. And that's, that's a hard thing too, is like, there's so many sports startups and a lot of them are trying to do the same thing. It's like, how do you, mm-hmm. how is a founder? How do you break through all that? 
that's hard. That's a really tough position to break into. And, you know, and there was some, you know, some of the startups I had looked at that I really, I thought were really, they fill a void, but they just hadn't had the revenue yet. And I said, look, it's too early for me. Like I will probably regret not investing in them, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like you just have to be okay, not investing. Yeah, for sure. Or, or, or moving forward. Like, so, so you guys, like I'm again, really impressed by like everything you've done and you created my husband and we were in college. I'll tell you this, look, this really quick story. We were, we're like, okay, we're going to start a website. And the website is going to be connecting college students with apartments and finding roommates, right? So it was called, it was called rumors.com, R-O-O-M-E-R-S, rumors.com. And we got so caught up on the stupid name and logo that we never launched it. And, you know, we could have been billionaires by now. We've got stories for that. Yeah. I love that story. Yeah. I love we that We talked story. about it to this I'm actually day. I'm surprised. Like, I'm surprised you didn't say just women's sports, you know, because they just raised around. Um, with what they're doing, um, there's a good. There's so many good companies. So, it, like like you said, it's so hard. You gotta yeah. just do due diligence. You gotta do your homework, and you gotta find what like what fits into your investment strategy. Yeah. There's a lot, and I, I can't say I know enough of them. Um, was it Allison Felix just announced she's coming up with a shoe line? Yeah, you know? she just announced um, that like earlier today. I believe. There's a lot of good stuff out there. There's a lot of good stuff. I'm just like, I'm sure I haven't even heard of that. If I heard. Um, be there but I, I would say and here's the thing right some of the some of the stuff is like self-fulfilling too right um meaning the advantage that a lot of athletes have is a name recognition and mm-hmm. investors are going to align with that and they'll go you know um they'll go with that and i feel bad for anybody who's like trying to break through without the name recognition you know another one well yeah it was too late. I didn't know how to break in, but Tonal and Peloton, like we had gotten, you know, we had. Oh, don't. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have PTSD about Tonal. I was, oh. I did, I, I, I saw, I, I was there when they were in stealth mode. I went to the Tonal's workspace. Oh. I, 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 every time Tonal gets brought up, I'm sick to my stomach. I'm sorry, man. I <laughs> no, know. It's all good. You had, I won't, oh, Moby, I'm hurting for you. Yeah, it was, oh, oh yeah, it was, it was tough, but. Like when you think about investing, you, you have to have hindsight, you know, because it's just, yeah. Is it, no matter what, there's going to be wins, there's going to be losses. Exactly. Know? And and little thing I didn't mention was like, it's hard. The Like, look, I work for a bank, right? And it's like, not fa- not anybody's favorite, like industry. And like looking at start like investments, like I'm looking and I'm like, I want to invest in, in companies that are um have a decent you know good rep and like nothing there's no there's nobody that's unproblematic there's no corporation that's unproblematic um as much as like we want to find them but hard part of it is like you know why can't there be you know and yeah anyway so uh, before we shift gears um i want to ask one last question because you know you're probably one of the the go-to women in the sports industry space you know a lot of people look up to you oh gosh what what advice would you have for someone you know a young lady trying to break into the space or get into the space. And then what's one way we, as you know, everyone to make it more inclusive for women in the sports business space. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for that question. You know, like I I talked about the play, like a girl um, participants and how freaking bold and courageous they are. Like I, not to say I was a mouse, like a quiet mouse growing up, but I didn't challenge a whole lot. Um, It's not, you know, it was not, Culturally, it's not something, you know, I was encouraged to do. Um, and it's, I think, through age, um, become a little more bold. And certainly, you know, when you are in a financial position to kind of be like, F it, I'm going to say what I'm going to say and I don't care. Like, that's also helpful. Um, so I guess what would I say? 
my, my advice is like always really simple. It's like, just be honest, go for what you want. It's nothing really earth shattering um, at all. I will say in terms of like how, you know, how, you know, men can be allies. I think part of it, and I think, you know, I'm looking at you too, right? As black men, like, I think people historically have counted, right? You out or and like, okay, they see you as an athlete. Sure. Obvious. Makes sense. Right. All the stereotypes that are there, but as, you know, as, you know, um, founders of companies, as businesses, uh, especially in the financial space. And I think part of it is like, don't just judge books by their cover, which sounds really simple, but the number of people that have like looked over my head to see who else was behind me, to see who was more important, to see who looked like them all the time, you know, and part of this, part of the ownership of the courage is like, yeah, you thought you knew me, but you didn't know me. Like you didn't know what I was capable of. You just saw, here's a short little Latina, like, you know, is she the one that's going to organize my travel or get my co- you know, coffee cup? Cause there's been times where I had to be like, nah, it's not my job. And it's really uncomfortable to say that and challenge people. But I think part of it is like, um, I think, and I don't know if it's American culture or what, but there is this nature to look for who looks important, who has a bigger title, thinking they are going to be the person that does something for you or has the power. And, you know, maybe most times maybe they will. Right. Um, but yeah, you didn't know this like happy go lucky girl was going to do this, did you? Right. And so I think part of it is like, don't underestimate who you're talking to just because you, 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 you have your own biases because um, they will surprise you. No, that's great advice. I know I've seen some people lose deals just because of the way they treated someone they expected, you know, to be in a certain position and not knowing like, you know, you're talking to the CEO, right? Or, you know, you're talking to like the the majority investor of like, and not to say like, just because they aren't that person, you should treat them with disrespect, right, but right. like respect everyone and know everyone has importance and value to whatever organization they're working with. You know, so it's, it's really appreciate you sharing that. I think it's really important that you share that. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I, I totally subscribe to that. And, you know, just but there's a lot of egos in sports industry. You know, this there's a lot of egos. Uh, we can have another podcast about that. one. We can, please. You know, there's there's a lot. There's a lot of that. And I think, um, you know, I, you know, I, I would love to have more confidence, but not to the point where I'm like dismissing folks. That's a recipe for, you know, looking like a clown, I think. But. Yeah, so it feels pretty good to be in these shoes today. I will say that. Nah, that's that's respect. Respect. I can't wait to see more. I know. Oh, what you got? We got. I think we got the no car, yellow car, red car. I'm, oh wait, actually, no, no, I, got, yeah, I got, got one question before questions. we jump into that. Gotta, yeah, this is um, this is probably the most important question. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you you listen to previous shows, we have this pizza debate, right? Uh, if somebody from New York, if it's somebody from Chicago, or somebody from Detroit, we always ask, "What's the best pizza?" And you being from Chicago and having spent time in New York, you have, I'm sure you've probably experienced both. So what is the best pizza to you? Which, which It's not going to be, it's going to be Chicago. And <laughs> so I actually, t- I told you I was kind of a nerd. I actually took a lecture on sh- like the history of Chicago style pizza. And, um, and one of the original, and it doesn't necessarily have to be deep dish either. Um, I, I still go for Chicago pizza, but one of the, one of the originals was four blocks from my, from my apartment growing up. So I, I lean to Chicago. I'm definitely personally biased, but after taking that, that course, um, and the guy has a whole podcast on like pizza, but it was a course through the University of Chicago Alumni Association. So, I mean, you're talking like scholarly, Intense. scholarly, Intense. 
Chicago pizza. Although I just tried Detroit for the first time last year and it's quite good. So what's your favorite, what's your favorite Chicago pizza spot? Oh, like location? Yeah, like, like restaurant. Like or, yeah, yeah. Okay, for Thin Crust, it's Home Run Pizza, Home Run Inn, which is, you know, like I said, in my neighborhood. But they also are in your local freezer section. And then, and it's not bad for frozen pizza. And even this gentleman with this pizza podcast, whose name is escaping me, said that was his, the best frozen pizza, too. So we're aligned there. Um, deep Dish, I like Giordano's, which is, you know, is now a big chain. But yeah. that's like home to me Yeah, when I eat Giordano's pizza. Yeah, Giordano's is my favorite. Okay, respect. I think a deep dish. Yeah. That's a good question. I was waiting for this question. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into one of our favorite segments of the show. I'm trying to get my timestamps together here. Um, no card, yellow card, red card. So this is a rapid fire segment of the show where I'll read off some news topics. It could be news about sports, soccer, pop culture, whatever. Um, but we'll be rating or giving our opinions on those topics using the soccer card system. So no card is I agree with it or I'm cool with it. Uh, yellow card is I can go either way. And red card is um, obviously I disagree or I'm not cool with it. And we'll kind of give an explanation of why we gave each card. Um, so this first one is going to be a little bit more interactive than they have in the previous previous shows. Um, you being from Chicago, the Chicago Fire have unveiled their rebrand rebrand last week. Um, and there are some mixed reviews, mostly from White Sox fans. Um, but <laughs> Overall, it's pretty positive reception. So let me gonna pull this up. Yes. And we're going to give, what are we giving this rebranded crest? What card are we giving it? I'm, it Here, doesn't, it yeah, it, I like it. I like it. So it's no card. Um, it is definitely better than the last one. And I actually okay. do think it was time for a, a rebrand given the original crest. It was just way too much confusion between like the Chicago Fire and like the real Chicago Fire PD department and the TV show. So I I, I did not like the I didn't hate the one before this, but it was not great. I'm down with this. I like it. I'm going no card for the simple fact that they, you know, they weren't stubborn in their ways and they decided to change after, you know, some fans response and stuff like that. I know they're moving back, new ownership. He wants to do a little bit differently, trying to get Chicago back to his history. Um, I can see why White Sox fans are a little bit upset, but um, it was much needed. It was much needed. Yeah, it's definitely giving Cubs vibes with that C. Um, but overall, yes, I think it it's, a, it's an improvement from the previous rebrand. So we're aligned. Did. Yeah, definitely did better there. Yeah, I you know, I felt bad. One of my one of my friends works at the Chicago Fire and I you know if I'm gonna put it on Twitter, I'm gonna say it to your face too and, and, and usually vice versa. And so I had critiqued the last logo and he's like, Wow, I didn't expect you to say that. I think he was disappointed that I was publicly against it. <laughs> oh, that's that's all that's bad. I said I wasn't against I said a rebrand was necessary. I don't think this hit the mark is what I said. Something like that. Anyway, okay. Yep. All right, so Next one, and this is the last one. Um, so the the Olymp U.S. Women's National Team Olympic roster was released Oof. this week, um, and it's a lot of a lot of the same faces, mm -hmm. um, including some that have been injured for the past few months, oh, uh, taking some spots from some of the new national team standouts. So, mm -hmm. what card are we giving Black Coast team selection for the Olympics, Sarah? Oh, oh you know. I'm hovering between yellow and red. 
Okay. In some ways, I get the, if it's not broke, don't fix it. In other ways, I'm like, you know, there's some really, really like, you know, just hot shots that are just ready to like thrive. And I think, and I'm, I'm specifically thinking about um, like the midget, you know, yeah. Um, who else am I thinking about? And maybe still too. I mean, there's some people who are like really, really young, but who I think have a lot of potential. And you know, the ones I'm thinking about are the black women, right? And yeah. you know, Crystal Dunn last year or a couple years has been saying, "Hey, we want to change some of the faces that we see in 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 U.S. soccer." And I think she's got a good point, especially when there's so much talent. So I get the I get the if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Because something like 18 out of no 17 out of 18 were all on the previous roster. Or around the World Cup. Um, there's a couple of new ones. Um okay. but they're not black women. I think yeah. I think Adriana French is mm. probably a new face French. that is a black a French woman. Face. Yeah. So that, yeah, so So I'm but I'm in between. I'm just like, mm. Yeah. But they get a card. All right. So if you had to give one definitively, which card would you give? Mm. Oh, this is hard. Okay. Can I give two cards? Sure. The, or- the orange card, the that fake red and yellow. The- yeah, because I'm coming like from a marketing from a marketing side, red card. You should have brought some new faces, get some energy, get some excitement from a sporting. And this is where I'm not a soccer player, and maybe this is where maybe I'm need more red from a marketing hat. I was that's from a sporting director hat, which I'm not an expert in. You know who's the best player? Who are the best players? You know, yellow card. But all right, I'm a marketer, so red red card done. All right, red card it is. I'm gonna get. I'm probably gonna get fined for this. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna start off by saying, like, you know, it's it's tough. There's only so many spots on the roster for the coach to pick, but I'm giving it a red card because I've been saying this for the longest time. Like, for the women's national team, there should be a cap on how many caps you can get. It's like I, I feel like there should no be excuses where they have 200 plus 200 plus caps, 250 plus caps when you have young talent biding their time, biding their time, and they're not even getting chances to, to showcase themselves. Not to say that if you're if you're if they're not taking your spot, then you know go right ahead and keep playing. But they're not even getting the opportunity to you know showcase that like they're they're worthy of getting into the team. And it's almost like you got to like pass the gates of hell just to get on just to get a first cap. So for me, mm. I'm giving it a red card. And it's not like it's it's not like a lack of talent. Like if these new players come in, they're gonna lose. Um, and I feel like you need to develop this new talent, new new day and age. So for me, it's a red card. Um, no disrespect to the coaches' decisions. No disrespect to the players that made the squad. But you know, like Sarah said, we need to see new. We need to see new life. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's something that I think has been kind of glaring. Uh, if you look at the men's team versus the women's team, you know, of course the women's team is much more decorated. But like, look at the average age of the people mm. on the the players on the team. Like the men's team's trending younger. The women's team, they do trend younger for some of the international tank, international games, but for the, ma- the majority of the starters are, you know, late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, you know? So they're kind of like on the tail end of their career and they keep getting selected over some of the new talent who has who has had the opportunity to play on a national level and play well, you know? Um, and I think, also thinking about the Olympics and like some of like the men's teams are usually like U23s, right? When it comes to Olympics, yeah, you're right. women's team. and three overage players. Yeah, but the women's teams are like mainly the professionals, like all the pros and like the the top tier teams. So, I would like to see 
more of a balance there but definitely like i'm a huge women u.s women's national team supporter so don't think of this as a as a slight or anything but we want to see some of the young talent get in there and eat too you know right, that's my two cents on that <laughs> yeah i feel like you know for the for the people that are watching obviously you got the you know the big stars that people are going to support but you you do want to see young talent like that are like close in age or close in like touching distance where like okay i want to be like her in four years not like someone on the, towards the end of their career yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I almost, I almost look at it like stat padding a little bit. Like, all right, we got all these champions oh. on our team. Let's let's get another one real quick before they retire. Let's keep get let's get as many as we can before you know, you know, Megan, Carly, and all of them retire. You know, so I, I kind of look at it like that. Like they're almost, almost like they're stat padding. So this may be the last Olympics for them. We'll see. You know? yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like imagine if the Dream Team played every Olympics. Like you know. I, I feel like you've done you, you've done your job. Yeah. Let's get some new blood in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I agree. It's been it's, it's exciting. You know, I, I'm just I'm glad to see. You know, obviously, I'm biased. Some some courage, some courage, folks. And um, I don't know if you saw the the match yesterday where Lynn Williams scored scored twice after being named an alternate in the morning. And I was like, uh, you know, it was nice to see that yeah, and yeah. maybe maybe get some you know some. Hmm, but yeah, it's a stack. It's a, it's a, you know, whatever. As a, as a country, really solid, which is great, right? It's something to be thankful for, for sure. Yeah. All right. So we're aligned on this one. Yeah. No, sure. that's perfect. I was, I was kind of, you know, having, cause I, I don't want to cut, like, I'm no expert in the game. So I appreciate Moby's um, perspective, too, especially as a player. No. So with that being said, I mean, that's it for the show. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for your patience. And, you know, L, shout out to you, too, because, I was all over the place here, uh, but how can, people, how can people connect with you if they want to connect with you? How, the, how can they support the team and some of the organizations that you're yes. working with? Yes. Oh, so can I, I say connect Twitter? Actually, I mean, Amobi, is that how we, do we meet on Twitter? We I met on, I feel like we met on Twitter, but then like immediately right when we met, we met at like a conference or something or someone connected us. It was like, <laughs> something like, just like back to back. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I bring up Twitter just because that's a play. That's like my go-to. Um, just because people are so smart on Twitter. And I, I learn so much from folks on Twitter. As much as it can be a cesspool, like I've done business. Like the, I was telling you about the company, the, the media company. I work with in Mexican soccer. I found them on Twitter. I've made friendships through Twitter, et cetera. So Twitter is, I think, a good spot. Um, yes, Carolina Courage, you know, a, a, a humble team, humble, humble team. We can use some, some fans, you know. Does it matter how many championships we won? We could still grow, right? <laughs> um, appreciate that. What else was it? There was something else that you mentioned, MLB. Um, gosh, yeah. Watch the games. You know, you know. I think another thing is like I think the more again, like the more people talk about about these things, the more it becomes like a thing, right? A cool thing, a fun thing, a, you know, something to support. So I'd say awareness is. I, I would say definitely awareness for for women's sports seems to be the big piece, and I think. 2021 feels like a breakout year for sure. And NWSL just won breakout league, I think, for um, Sports Business Journal. Um, can't remember what else. I think I'll wrap up there. Oh, no. The last thing I was going to say, um, my husband was so excited when I told him, because he had, he was listening to his podcast. We were driving back a couple weeks ago uh, from, from a, I can't remember where we were. And he's like, oh, two cents. He's like, you know, they call me two cents, you know, growing up, because two cents, two cents. Some yeah. people couldn't. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> if you see it, and it's like Shout two cents. 
in French, yeah. So he was, he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, send my best to them. So he thought that was a cool little What's alignment. What's that? What's his name? Oh, James, James Toussaint. James. Yo, shout out to James. Uh, I, I definitely want to know how he went from investment banking to surgeon. I think that's great. So yeah, shout that's out to James. Flex. He <laughs> loves what you guys are doing. <laughs> loves it. Loves it. Appreciate so, yes. it, James. Uh, thank you so much, Sarah. And we're going to have all your information in the show notes. Make sure you guys tap in. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at twocentsports.shop. It helps support the show. Neither L or I are rocking it right now, but make sure you check it out at twocentsports.shop. And tweet us your comments on the show, any topics you want me or L to discuss. Like I said before, rain or shine, we have to get it done. The show must go on. Thank you for your patience. Um, Every Friday, Unfiltered Thoughts and Opinions. Sarah, she not only gave us uh, background into her career, gave us some practical, cool advice, financial advice. So, you know, I'm loving that. And uh, also, also, as we always talk about soccer. So with that being said, make sure you guys tune in. Subscribe. Make sure you subscribe, especially to the YouTube. Sorry, I'm going on a rant, but we're close to 200. Please, please, please subscribe. Share with a friend and go from there. Yep. That's all I got. Till next week, y'all. Peace out. Thank you.